Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well, I want to introduce um, truly a friend of mine. We've known Elliot and his family for over 21 years. And uh, Jenny and I were talking about this this morning. I can't, this is, this is not hype. I can't think of another pastor that I respect more. I have a lot of tremendous pastoral friends, really. I've been so blessed. But um, knowing what uh, Elliot and Mary and his family, one, have gone through, done for the kingdom. He wrote the book, The Cost of the Kingdom. If you remember, about a month ago, I took three Wednesday nights, and we unpacked that book. And uh, there truly is a cost to the kingdom, but I love the conclusions, (laughs) whether it's the plumber or others in that book. He says, but what we have gained. Um, Patel, it says, you'll know them by their fruit. We've been there. My daughter, my youngest daughter, who just got out with the young kids. She was a missionary for Elliot and Mary at that time. They, today, they are in uh, 100 cities, 21 nations, 100 plus churches. Approximately 2,400 are in the community they minister to the drug addicts and the prostitutes. They don't charge them anything. We've been to the Casa de Chicas, the Casa de Hombres. We've been near the drug camps and seen all that happens. Truly an Isaiah 61 ministry that we have had prophesied over us. We share a similar spirit here, the spirit of the sovereign Lord, that he has brought good news to the poor. He has sent to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released today's surrender flag, that the prisoners will go freed, that the favor of the Lord has come, that he gives crowns of beauties for ashes, blessing instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. And you, Elliot, your team will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You'll be feed on the treasures of the nations and boast of the riches. Elliot is a true friend um, I want to ask you to please stand, and let's welcome Elliot Tepper. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. God bless you. Lord, we bless our brother this morning. Lord, let the word of the Lord freely flow from him. Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit. Let him feel at peace today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Tom. <clears throat> I'm very soft-spoken, so I'll try to speak up. Uh, I do shout when God shouts, but uh, I'm soft-spoken. It will... What can I say? I, 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 I've been crying. I was searching for a box of Kleenex here in the church. I, I got some. Uh, I love Wilmington, and I love the body of Christ in Wilmington. Uh, I have my son David. And my daughter-in-law, Noemi, and my three grandchildren here. And uh, my Ann Pitts, my, my mother, older sister, who's been with, from the very first helping me in my Christian life when I started in Christ in 1971 here in Wilmington, Boston and Wilmington. Wow. I, uh, my notes tonight are in Spanish. I'm going to preach from Spanish. This is one of the, the second last sermon I preached in, in uh, Boston. Uh, 
what can I say? Uh, God has been so good to my family. If it wasn't for the church, the body of Christ in Wilmington, we wouldn't have been able to stand on the mission field for almost 40 years. We arrived in Spain in, 19, in Mexico in 1978, and we arrived in Spain in 1983, and we've seen God do some wonderful things throughout the world, and we have no idea why He's multiplied so much the Word of God and so many churches and ministries have come forth. I believe out of the 2,200 WEC missionaries, I may be the oldest active WEC missionary still serving on the field. I'm 74. I know I look much younger, but... Uh, um, Amen. No. But I'm, I'm, I'm 74, and you're supposed to retire at 65, and they keep renewing me, so until they let me... As long as they let me stay, I'm going to do it. The, the title of my message today uh, is called, from Acts chapter 17... Verse 6, those that have turned the world upside down have also come here. Those who have turned the world upside down have also come here. And we have, we have been under quarantine for over six months in Madrid. You know, Spain and Italy were some of the first countries. We, we, we have, we're, we're in over we're 22 cities in, in Spain, we're 100 cities counting Spain in the world. And we live together in community. We have uh, up to, we've had up to 2,400, 2,500 living in our communities. We're down to about 1,900. We've had many people, especially in Latin America and other parts of the world, India, flee back to their villages, flee home because of the fear and the quarantine. But we, keep, we try to imagine having 2,500 people living with you, free, part of your, your community. And we have been locked down, and that doesn't count our churches. Our, our graduates form the, the churches that we, that we start. And we invite, and people come and they find Christ. We, ha we have, by the grace of God, the largest Christian facility in Spain, our church in Madrid. The average church in Spain has 50 people. And our, 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 main, our church in Madrid will hold up to 2,000 people. And they're all drug addicts, ex-drug addicts, and their families. Now we're getting professionals and middle and upper class people coming to worship with us. But since this quarantine, is over, we were shut down for many months. And we got back up, to, and with distancing and all the spacing, we got up to 370 people. We had about 120 people this Sunday. Again, they put another, re renewed the quarantine. So we've been, we've been very frustrated. And of course, we have Christian businesses. We, we were, we're free because, like the Salvation Army, we, we, we earn what we need to feed and take care and clothe for everyone. The vehicle, about seven, eight hundred vehicles, and so many, just 32 properties in Madrid. <laughs> and you have to pay the mortgages and the rent, and you have to feed it. And these quarantines have done to us, and the closures of our business, what has happened to so many businesses around the world. But um, we've been listening to God, and this is what God has been speaking to me and to us during these last few months. We have nine pastors in the Battelle Church, just in the Battelle Church of Madrid. And uh, I preach a little more than the rest of them, but we, I let each one of the pastors preach at least once a week in a main meeting. And so, you know, and they're all great preachers. None of the, we have only, only one of them has a university education. Most of them only have about seven or eight grades of education. And so you know, we, some of them have published books. 
Now, there's some of the, the most amazing men and women that you can imagine. Now, but we, 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 we inspire one another. We, we, we're building together. And we listen to the voice of God together. And I wish, I wish that some of you could have heard uh, Raul Castro, the first Betelito. Raul, Raul was called El, El Torcho, the thick one, the tough one. You know, and he, and he and along with Veneno, poison, were the first two Betel people. And we can, we, the, the, most, the most incredible, the Nicky Cruises of, of Spain became our first leaders. Uh, Dutch national television in the 90s. This is not our first uh, epidemic. It's not our first uh, plague. We went through the AIDS epidemic in the 1990s, and Dutch national television came, and they did a documentary on Battelle called Half the Church Has AIDS. Half, all half of our people had AIDS, and almost all our first leaders have died of AIDS. So the generations that are preaching now with us are those of the survivors of the first AIDS epidemic. And now, so we're, 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 we know, we've experienced uh, epidemics in the past. Now, I'd like to show you a two-minute video from our Batania Conference Center. Tom came and with the team, and he taught at one of our intensive Bible schools for a week. He did a great job. We wanted him to come back. And when he was there, we, 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 we had a tent. We used to pitch a tent. And we get up to 1,000 people. Now, we just finished last year the Mary Tepper Auditorium for 3,000 people. Oh. It is, yeah, that's the some pastors of Hotel of India. But let's get, let's get to the, just click on the video if you can. And this, this is the Mary Tepper Auditorium. We normally, once a year, we bring the Batel leaders from the world together. And we have our international presbytery. We have our missionary uh, conference. And then we have representatives from Patel in the world. We, we gather usually about 2,000. We can camp up to 2,000. We can sleep 400 in our buildings. And this is the Mary Tepper Auditorium. This is what we didn't have this year because of the epidemic. This is, this would be two years ago, the film. We planted 600 trees there. We, we had, it was one and a half buildings when we bought the property. Well, can you get it on the big screen? Is that possible? That's not what's happening there. Wait, is it possible to just get that one, just that one? Yeah, put, okay. Oh, wait a second. Can you go back to the, okay, it's okay. Yeah, can go back to the beginning. Put the sound up. And we build every building there. Just a bunch of drug addicts, ex-drug addicts. Betelitos. 
we, we serve the whole body of Christ. Well, that's one of our businesses. We, for 30 euros, you get your three meals a day, your room, your board, the auditoriums, everything. It is the least expensive conference center in Spain. Yeah, no worries. So this year, we didn't have a Britannia because of the, the virus. But we did, we did hold, last month, a Zoom presbytery meeting for the Vitell leaders around the world. It's not the same. And we had, we had 140 pastors, directors, and world leaders from 100 cities with us yeah. by the Zoom conference all over the world. And uh, in my message, one of my last message to them, I spoke about the difference between the world and the kingdom of God. The difference between the world and the kingdom of God. In the, in the New Testament, the word that's usually used for world is cosmos. Cosmos. It's the Greek word. When you think of cosmos, people think of Carl Sagan and the galaxies and the stars and you know, space. And No, the world cosmos is that rival demonic order of Satan and his fallen angels and the fallen men that are in competition with and rivaling and trying to destroy the kingdom of God. There's the world and there's the kingdom of God, the cosmos and the kingdom of God. Now, uh, in Hebrews chapter 7, we know that uh, all the human race was in the loins of Adam. And uh, we know that uh, Levi paid tithes in the loins of Abraham. You know, and so, we, we, you know, we, the, 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 the world, we, the, the Adam, race of Adam fell in Adam in the beginning. So the whole world lies in the cosmos. But I, and I tell people, I don't want to uh, save men. I don't want to change the world. I want to take men out of the world and bring them into the kingdom of God. The, now, uh, people say, I, when I, I, they're shocked. I say, I don't want to change the world. I, I, I want to rescue men and women out of the world. I, we live provisionally in the world, in the cosmos, but we're not of the cosmos. What's, what's going to happen in the first week of November here? Yeah. The election. Everybody is very concerned about elections. Everybody's concerned about what's happening. We're all concerned about the Supreme Court. And all those things are so important. We have legitimate and important things to do in the world. I want a better world. Mattel is helping to produce a better world. The British government recently, two years ago, in the study pointed out that Mattel saved Great Britain 140 million pounds. 140 million pounds by providing 20 years of rehab to tens of thousands of Brits who would have to pay thousands of dollars, pounds every month for a program. Yeah. I, we, we are doing good in the world. Yeah. We're an important influence in the world, but I don't want to change the world. I want to rescue men out of the world and build a rival godly kingdom in its place. Because, you know, we are the salt of the world. Now, uh, why do I, uh, why don't I want to improve the cosmos? It's because it's not of God, 
It's been judged by God. Uh, we know that in Isaiah 14, when the, uh, Satan rebelled, Lucifer rebelled, he rose up. He said, I'll set my throne above the throne of God. And he was taken and cast down to the earth. And he then contaminated, took a third of the angels with him, and then he's been contaminating the race of Adam ever since. And God has been taking men out of the cosmos and putting them into the kingdom of God. Now, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 14, 15, 16, and 17, the apostle said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because the, the world passes away and its desires, but those that do the will of God abide forever. That's my translation of the Spanish <laughs> verse. That's the Elliot Tepper translation of the Bible. Now, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What does it mean that the world passes away? Well, uh, is it just going to evaporate like a cloud? Is it, like a, like a, is it just going to disappear? Who here has seen the, the picture of the Titanic? Has anyone ever seen the Titanic? Okay. It's, it, it, the Titanic made its maiden voyage in 1912 from New York City to Southampton. I studied at Cambridge University. I studied Harvard University, Cambridge University, Lehigh University. I've always been learning it. I've always been studying and not learning very much. But I, I went to Cambridge University, and I took the second to last trip on the Queen Elizabeth from New York to Southampton and followed the same journey. The same. I remember on the, th the third morning out, I looked out from the deck, and I thought we were in the middle of the Atlantic, and I saw land. Because you take, when you take the, the ship takes a circular course, and I, I saw Newfoundland. You, up, you actually go up north and come down. We're on a globe. Well, in 1912, the, the, uh, Queen uh, the Titanic took its maiden voyage from Southampton to New York. And the Titanic, you all know, crashed into an iceberg. And of the 2,205 uh, 2, passengers, 1,500 lost their lives. Only 705 passengers survived. If we're trying to rescue men out of the world, we're just like someone trying to reorganize the chairs on the deck of the Titanic that is wounded and will shortly go to the bottom of the sea. See, the kingdoms of this world have a very limited lifespan. <laughs> they, 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 they will be judged at the end of the age. They, they, they will be destroyed. And all those that are in them, all those who are part of Satan's kingdom, unless they abandon the Titanic and find the lifeboats, the lifeboat of the kingdom of God, they're lost. So, I mean, Battelle is a social ministry. We want, to, we want to change the world for good if it's possible, but I really don't want to change the world because this world is going to the bottom of the sea, but it's not going to the bottom of the Atlantic. It's going to the bottom of the lake of fire. Amen. Now, um, do you remember the scene where the, the ship has been hit and they're beginning to, to, to launch the lifeboats. And they're in the main, the lounge the, the, of, the, of the captain. 
And the, the naval architect who designed the ship is there with some of the elite uh, guests on the ship. And they're asking the captain, they're asking the architect, you know, is there hope? You know, what can we do? And the architect says, there is no hope. It's mathematical. The iceberg has made a gash in the side of the hull, and thousands and thousands of liters of water are entering the boat every minute. In three hours, we'll be in the bottom of the sea. In three hours, we'll be in the bottom of the sea. This world that seems so important, all the things that are in this world, are destined to go to the bottom of the lake of fire. That sounds terrible. I mean, I, 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 mean, I have decided that everything in my life, everything I do, everything I have, all my desires are to be invested in the kingdom of God and the precious souls that God wants to save out of the world. Now, the only hope that we have is to abandon the ship, to abandon this world, and to enter into the lifeboats. Uh, now, saying that, I'm not, obviously, we're not uh, mystics that are li living in a cave. You know, Battelle, we go into every day into the world. We go to the gypsy camps. We go to the dumps. We go to the streets. We go to the hospital. We rescue the, the worst cases of sin and go where there's the most suffering to help people all around the world. And we don't, we don't care about anything in this world other than to help men out of the world into the kingdom. And many of our people, most of, of the 250,000 entrances we've had in Battelle, a more than a quarter of a million people have come through Battelle over the years. If you think about that. Now, most of those people who've gotten saved actually go back to go to churches. They filtered into the society, and some are professionals, some are, you know, good family people. Uh, we're changing the world without wanting to change the world. See, we are the, the church is the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its flavor, it's worthless. Now, um, now Jesus promised to be with us uh, until the end of the age, the end of the cosmos. And uh, he's also uh, promised that we, he called us to go, what does it say in the book of Acts? Go into the world and preach the gospel. So it's to go into the world. We don't, we don't ignore the world. We, wonder, we preach the gospel. And it says that these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall, you know, lay, they shall you know, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know, if they, if they drink any deadly thing, it won't harm them. You know, we are, we are to go into the world and turn the world upside down. Uh, if in the book of Acts, from the day of Pentecost in chapter 2, uh, after the explosion of the day of Pentecost, when the, when the disciples went out into the streets preaching, right into chapter 28, uh, the, the Christians, full of the Holy Spirit, they, they were persecuted by the Jews, who were, were not believers. Uh, they were persecuted by the Romans. They, 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 they were afflicted. The world afflicted them. And uh, we, we know that uh, they changed the ancient world. They turn the world upside down. If you read uh, the 28 chapters of Acts, uh, that's our history also. 
you know, I, I, lo I love maps. I love to watch and uh, follow the, the, the life of Paul and his preaching from city to city. Uh, study the map sometimes and follow Paul's ministry and see what that man did who met God, who met Christ on Damascus Road. He was blinded, then he received his sight, and he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he went back to Jerusalem. He, he, he went into Saudi Arabia first. He, went, he was prepared. He went back to Jerusalem, preached to his people, the Jews, and then he was sent by the church through the world as a missionary. He's, he's our model. He's our model. I, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. I want to change this world. Now, uh, when Paul uh, began his ministry, his custom was to go to the Jews first, and he would speak to his Jewish people. They were, you know, people don't realize it, but the Roman Empire, one out of five Roman citizens was a Jew. One out of five Roman citizens was a Jew. And there were synagogues in every major Roman city in the world. And so Paul would go first. He went around first to the, to the synagogues, and some believed, and he was rejected by most of them. Then he went to the Greeks, and he went to the Romans, and if, if we, we follow his ministry, you can see what this man did who met God, had been taken into the kingdom, and then he went in, back into the world to rescue men from the world. And that is, the, that he is the model of all missionaries and really for all Christians. Uh, for example, in Thessalonica, we, we know that when he visited Thessalonica, the Jews, uh, you know, that... Uh, didn't believe, they accused him, and they, they drove him away. And what did they say? They said in ver chapter 17, verse 6, the, the text I chose in the beginning, these that have turned the world upside down have come here also. These who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Now, there, there are Many protests today going on in the world. Has anybody noticed that on television? <laughs> Has anybody knows, noticed that, they, that they're, they're burning police stations down and post offices down and breaking store windows down? They're, 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 they're turning the world upside down. Well, actually, they're, they're turning it upside down and they're burning it. But um, it's curious that when um, the soldiers of... Uh, Caiaphas came to detain Jesus in Gethsemane. What, what did Peter do when the, when the soldiers came to detain Jesus? He took his sword out and he cut off his ear. And what did Jesus do? Jesus took the, touched the man's ear and he healed them again. Now, it's, it's interesting in the four Gospels, there are only uh, ten events in the life of Jesus that appear in all four Gospels. And one of those ten events is Jesus healing the cut-off ear of uh, one of the uh, soldiers that came to arrest Jesus. And Jesus said in, in, in John chapter 18, verse 11, says, Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. The cup that the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Now, uh, I, I want to turn the world upside down 
I want to turn the world upside down with love and not with violence. Jesus condemned the one act of violence that the disciples did to try to protect him. Not, Jesus never used violence. He never instructed the, the disciples to use violence to, to preach the kingdom of God or to, to change the world. Now, the world will be changed. I'm, I'm not a pacifist. My son Peter was a captain from West Point. And I would, you know, I, I, I affirm, you know, the police, I affirm the military, the risking evil. But the church, I will not, you know, the church is called to minister peace and to rescue men out of the world. Now, uh, I want to, to turn the, the world upside down. Uh, I want to, uh, not violently, I want to invite the whole world to abandon the Titanic and the security and to find the security of the lifeboats of the kingdom of God. In, in Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 6, the prophet said this. Uh, it's the word of, of God to Zerubbabel. It says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The, uh, the, you know, it was, I, I, there was one example of Jesus using violence in the Bible. You know what? Who can tell me where that is? You know, when he, when, when he found the money changers in the temple, he turned the tables upside down. And he said, you've turned my father's house to a den of thieves. Uh, think about that one. The only act of violence, that, which is not really violent, but not, he didn't kill anyone, <laughs> but was when people were trying to turn the house of God into a den of thieves. Now, after, after the uh, riot in, in Thessalonica and the threatenings against Paul and his companions, uh, in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12, the, uh, the brethren sent Paul and Silas to Berea. And there many Jews believed uh, and many Greeks. You know, Paul always preached first in the synagogues, as I said, then he preached to the Greeks and to the Romans, uh, and then uh, in Acts 17, verse 3, uh, there was another riot. It seems like whenever you preach the kingdom of God, there tend to be riots, not in our part, but in their part. And then uh, he was sent from uh, Berea to Athens. And in Athens, uh, he, uh, he was followed by Silas and Timothy the, a little later. And in Athens, he began to um, share the gospel, as was his custom in the Roman world. Athens was, it was the cultural capital of the Roman Empire. Rome was a center of power, and political power, and economic power. But Athens was the cultural capital of the world. Jerusalem was the uh, capital of the, the Jews in the Roman Empire, really. It was the where the, the temple was. It was where the, the Sanhedrin was. I mentioned one out of five uh, Romans were Jews. Jerusalem was a, was a religious center of the Jews in the world. Rome was the economic and, uh, uh, center and the political center of the world. Athens was the cultural center of the world. And uh, in chapter 17, verses 16 through 34, uh, the apostle Paul, he arrived in, uh, in Athens and uh, it says in verse 16, his first impression that the city was given over to idolatry. 
And according to his custom, he first went to the Jews, he went to the synagogues, and he preached there. Then he went to the, uh, to the pious Greeks. And then he preached in the places of the general population of pagans. Many were very educated, but they were pagan idolaters. And the words of Paul had such an impact on the world that he was trying to rescue men out of that uh, they took him to the Areopagus. The Areopagus was the highest point in the city of Athens. It was a place of government. It was a place of culture. It was a place where all important edicts were announced to the uh, Greeks. And he, was, he was taken to the Areopagus, and then he spoke to the multitude in the Areopagus of Christ, to the world. And uh, it says in verse chapter 17, verse 3, that he found there an altar to the unknown God. An altar to the unknown God in the highest point of the greatest city of culture in the world. And uh, what, did he, what did he do? It was there that he preached the gospel. He didn't abandon the world. He went, he went to the highest point in the world and spoke to the world. Now, uh, today in Spain, Europe, in the Americas, and uh, in America, in our civilization, uh, our civilization seems to be turning from God. You know, the ones, you know, it, it's almost, it's not uh, tasteful. It's not popular to be a Christian today. Have you found that out? You ever try to talk to someone about uh, abortion? You ever try to talk to someone about uh, fidelity in marriage? Do you ever try to talk to someone about uh, traditional concepts of being a man or a woman and traditional concepts of raising children? Anything, almost anything that our fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and the founders of our nation, whether it's America or Great Britain or the Reformation nations, even the, you know, the Catholic nations, we all embrace essential Judeo-Christian values. And no longer is that uh, really popular. Now, uh, so he was taken to the Areopagus, and he, and he spoke to the multitudes. And what, what did he discover? At the height of the city of Athens, which was at the height of Greco-Roman culture, he discovered an altar to who? to an unknown God, an altar to an unknown God. Uh, I am a member of the Harvard Club in Spain, and I go to their dinners, and I go to their meetings. And because I'm a member of the Harvard Club, the, we, we were invited to have a meal with the king of Spain. He was the prince of Spain at the time, and Mary and I went and we had a meal, and I shook hands with the king of Spain. He's about six foot eight. He's very tall. His grandfather was called Longlegs, and he married a very short woman so they wouldn't have giants for children. But he, went to, he, he graduated from Georgetown, he speaks fluent English, and we were able to talk to the king of Spain. 
We, work, we also go to the drug addicts. We go to, we go to the gypsy camps. We go to the dump. We, we, you know, but tell started in our home in San Blas, in our flat, on the street next to the largest gypsy camp in Europe, 10,000 gypsies living in a field without toilets or running water. So from the gypsy camp to having a meal with the king of Spain. God will open doors for you to share the gospel in many places. Now, um, I gave Tom a copy of our 2020 memoria. There's a picture in there with uh, Eduardo and I and uh, some of our, our pastors with an oil painting. We, we have, we have uh, over 20 charity shops in Madrid, and a woman called us up and gave us an oil, uh, uh, some furniture and an oil painting, and the men brought it back, and a portrait of a man, and Eduardo, who was, who was a drug addict, was a, and he is a lawyer, he said, that is my law professor at the University of Salamanca. That is the founder of the Spanish Supreme Court who was assassinated by ETA, by the Basque terrorists. That's a real painting. And that, it was his daughter who was, you know, she's, she, she donated the old furniture house and she gave us the famous oil painting of her, her father, the founder of the Spanish Supreme Court. So we called up the Supreme Court and said, we have this painting by a very famous painter and they said, they said well, we would love to have it. So we, do, but tell we donated, graciously, the painting to the Spanish Supreme Court. And we were able to sit and talk, sit in the chamber of the Spanish Supreme Court and testify to Jesus. Think about that. You know, we, uh, we don't want to change the world. We don't want to, but, but, but God will allow us to go into the world and testify. A number, I, uh, about two decades ago, I was invited to Washington. And they invited me to speak at the, at the U.S. Congress to a, a group of people about Jesus. Some of my old Harvard friends opened the door, and I was able to, to go there and hear George Bush testify. And so, so just because you go to the low, just because you, 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 you humble yourself, doesn't mean that God won't open doors for you to speak. And the highest places to men and women about Christ. Now, um, I've been rambling today. My notes haven't done me much good. But, yeah. But I just want to leave this word with you before I pray. These that have turned the world upside down have also come here. Can that be said about us? Oh, that might be said about us. These who have turned the world upside down have come here. So I pray that God blesses you all, prospers you as a church, as families, and as individuals. I pray that your witness will shake Wilmington and the Carolinas and America and the nations as it has been with more power and authority. And I pray that you have a heart for the kingdom of God, that you, that you will desire, that you will desire not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the washing of the water of the word, and that men will see Christ in you 
and that many will be turned to Christ, high and low. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. our ministry team. We're going to put on your masks if anyone wants a really close prayer. There was a word um, given to me at the conference this week about close encounters of the God kind, that there was about to be visitations. We're hearing it in some really remote places. Muslims are being visited by Christ Conversions are occurring. There's something about a close encounter of the God kind. When, uh, when Elliot described what happened to Paul, who was Saul, the murderer, and to witness what uh, God does in Battelle and having just listened to um, Will Hart from Heidi Baker's ministry and what's going on in Africa and God is making a visitation, and He's about to do it here as well. And so, we want to be positioned. We've had numerous words come in recently about the revival fire, but it starts in individuals. And so, I want to pray this morning for God encounters, encounters of the God kind. It's true that, you know, we agree that the, there is a social gospel. There's a there's a need. Our ministries, we give to prayer ministry every week. And our House of Mercy ministry, we meet the needs. But there's these encounters that God wants. He says He has translated us, transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. I believe the message this morning of the surrender, you think of the thematic place here of we started with He's the one who delivers us, our worship and our praise. He delivers us from our enemies through prayer and worship. But it's in the humility, the, even the devotional my wife and I read this morning, it's in that place of humility that God raises us up. If you'll humble yourselves before God, He will raise you up. To have an encounter that impacts and saves the people on the world that is going in a very dark place. I have done some prayer ministries of late on some people, the darkness that has enveloped even the United States. I recently did a prayer ministry on a person. I've done thousands of prayer ministries in different continents in some pretty dark places, but this person had dabbled in more witchcraft in the United States than I had ever heard of. And so there is a darkness that's enveloping the earth right now, and it's taking it into dark. You see the effects of it in politics and on the streets. God wants an encounter of the God kind, so we become the powerhouses of the witness that Acts 1.8. You shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you shall be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So our request right now, why don't we stand Holy Spirit, we ask that you would take and make an impartation of the fire of God. There was a word this morning that the fire of God is available. It wants to fall. 
But there is something about the humility of the human heart. God will not break the door down. He may cause some really difficult situations so we look up. But the invitation is to those here this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you've wandered off of this, some dark places that you've dabbled in, the Lord is not disappointed in you. He's encouraging you to surrender and come forward. And those listening by live stream, we're not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. And it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So this is that place. We just want to invite you to come. You can bow down in your house, pull over in your car, wherever, and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and surrender to the one who I promise you can set things right. So, Lord, we come before you this this morning, and we humble ourselves. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for the to think of what God can do from a humble man and his family left a ministry in Mexico that was thriving. The first convert was a heroin addict on the streets of Spain. And now thousands have come to know Christ. God, you're an amazing God, and we know what addiction can do. We have seen it firsthand. And to be able to see God set a person free There's nothing greater than the transference of a man or a woman from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. So, God, we come before you with grateful hearts this morning. We ask now that your face would shine upon your people and give them peace. We pray for the men's group tomorrow night at 7, the ladies' group tomorrow night at 6.30, the Ladies' Pursuit, Wednesday night, Romans group, House of Mercy, Thursday night, tonight's prayer from 5 to 7 as we sacrifice our time to honor the Lord and ask Him to save this nation. Save this nation and save the children. Lord, we pray. God bless you. Have a great week. Come for prayer. Our team would love to pray for you.